0: Welcome to another edition of the official Jets podcast. Busy week here at One Jets Drive. We're recording on today's Thursday, September 2nd. It's crazy to think that it's already September. From Monday to current to right now, the Jets have made 52 roster moves, which is really standard for this time of year. I
1: saw you had just written that on NewYorkJets.com, and I was wondering, first off, is that accurate? And second off, did you count them?
0: Well, I was thinking there were twenty-seven moves made for wave slash release and putting Kyle Phillips on IR. So that's twenty-seven. Right. Then you had the thirteen practice squad edition. Okay. Then you had the three, the three players that were placed on IR and the three re-signings. Then you had the two claimed and the two waived. So I added all that up and I got to fifty-two.
1: I was quickly adding that up in my head. I thought I got the 50, but you're probably right. The 50- <laughs>
0: oh, And the two trades, the Chris Herndon oh, trade that, and the Shaq Lawson trade.
1: That's right. So uh, Joe Douglas and his staff, very busy. I, I think it's just a busy time of year, which is it. what is interesting about this point of the calendar is that typically over the years, and you know this, we cover transactions, the flurry of moves right before Labor Day weekend. I mean, on approaching labor day that weekend approaching labor day but in contrast here this year you're doing it in the middle of the
0: week it's kind of nice like from a workflow perspective it's pretty nice you you get it done during the week obviously there's going to be transactions throughout the course of the season almost every day of the week except for sundays or game days really but i liked it and there's a lot to get into I, i think we should just dive right in with bless austin because i think that's probably one of the, you know, people say, Oh, like there's always surprise cuts every year. And, you know, maybe not internally, but if you're looking at the Jets roster, I think people would be surprised to hear that bless Austin was let go, especially because he's been a starter for this team the past two years. And he was the longest tenure jet in that cornerback row.
1: Robert Sala said it. This is the toughest part of the business. You hate to say, Hey, you know, We're not going to be needing your services anymore. And Bless Austin has a lot of local ties, right? He grew up in New York, played at Rutgers, then was a draft pick here. And I think a lot of fans gravitated towards him. And he had an opportunity here early in training camp. But throughout the summer, Sala and anybody you talked to said, hey, listen, it's an open competition. at the cornerback position, and this just emphasizes that even more, that move here. The Jets are undergoing a youth movement. Joe Douglas said it Wednesday here at the Atlantic Health Jets Training Center that he believes, what, 40% of this roster are first- and second-year players, and this just speaks to the Jets want to get a longer look at Brandon Eccles, who made the team out of kentucky a rookie isaiah dunn an undrafted free agent out of oregon state who made the team uh javelin gidry a second year player who we saw most of the time work inside but sala mentioned him uh potentially in that race as well and then who am i forgetting the- jason pinnock yeah the of other course draft another pick. draft pick pinnock so listen you've I don't know the way you felt, but all along I felt like there wasn't a, a clear pecking order that all those guys were making a run there.
0: I, I definitely agree with that. It didn't ever feel like there was two guys where you're like, those are the two guys and, you know, who, who's going to make a name for themselves as a reserve? And it felt like throughout camp, a lot of people, like at first it was Eccles and Dunn, then Dunn got hurt. Eccles was a little banged up, but he really played through. You know, he was, I don't think he ever really missed an extended period of time. Pinnock had that bruised knee for a little bit and Eccles, you felt like he definitely made plays in practice. And then he had a pick against the Packers in the preseason game. And remember against the giants, he had that pass defense when he ran down whoever the receiver was and he batted it away. And solo was praising him for his intellect on that play because that wasn't supposed to be his man, but he saw the play in real time. I, you know, I thought that, I thought that Eccles had an impressive camp and couple that with what Joe Douglas said yesterday. I thought this was very interesting. He said, instead of asking bless to take a reduced role, we're giving these guys, the young guys, an opportunity. And out of respect to bless, we're giving him an opportunity to find a larger role with the new team.
1: Yeah. There's no period at the end of Bless's sentence right now in his professional career, there's a comma, and then we'll have to see where his story goes from here. Again, the Jets just wanted to get longer looks at other players. They're very young at the cornerback position. We're going to continue to talk about that throughout the year. Interesting, as far as the waiver claims, I think a lot of people probably anticipated they were going to go veteran cornerback.
0: Or, yes, definitely veteran cornerback. (laughs) I know that Jimmy Moreland was a name that was thrown out there, and the Jets didn't end up claiming veteran cornerback. Instead, they claimed two players, both defensive players. One guy, Timmy Ward. Former Kansas City Chief. The other one, Quincy Williams, who is the older brother of Jets defensive tackle Quinnen Williams.
1: Yeah, that's a great story, and I think it's fascinating because he's actually older than Quinnen, but a very good athlete. And Sala raved about his length at that position. You know, the Jets love length at the linebacker position. So it's going to be interesting to see him him come in here and. Ward is a guy who, by all accounts, is an athletic freak, and I think the Chiefs wanted him back, as far as putting him on the practice squad. But when you put somebody on waivers, you expose yourself.
0: Right. It, and that's part of the the gymnastics, though, isn't yep. it? I saw. I think it was Rich Samini tweeted about it that when the Jets let go of Ryan Griffin and Dan Brown and Sherrod Neesman, and they brought all those guys back, those are veterans who aren't uh, exposed to the waiver system. So let's say let's say there was a player that you wanted to bring back to your practice squad for whatever reason, and you, you release a player, which means you have more than – you have five years or more of experience in the NFL. That means that that player has the right to choose with whatever team he wants to sign with. Yeah,
1: there's a difference between being released and waived because most of the people just put it under the umbrella cut, but you just properly described that. You know, when you get waived – Teams are taking on your contract. But when you get released, you're out there.
0: Well, well, I think to use a a Jets example, the Jets on Tuesday let go of both Josh Johnson and James Morgan. Josh Johnson having multiple seasons under his belt was straight up released and now can sign anywhere. Right. And he re-signs with the Jets practice squad. Great
1: point. So I want to get back to bless here in a second, but. I wanted to get your thoughts on the quarterback position because everybody's like, well, Zach Wilson, of course, has never taken a snap in the regular season in the National Football League. He's being backed up by Mike White, a third-year player who's never taken a snap in the National Football League. But don't you consider Josh Johnson a veteran, arm, experienced guy who's played in the National Football League on a number of occasions in the regular season? Yeah, he's not on the active but you can call them up at any time.
0: Right. That's the unique part of the practice squad rules. It's the same thing as 2020 where you can elevate or promote a player, two players per week from the practice squad to the active roster, and they automatically revert right back to the practice squad following the
1: game. So the game day roster essentially is 55 for everybody if they take advantage of that rule.
0: 100%. And I think it's a benefit to teams. And there's all these little intricacies with the practice squad and the rules and protecting players and players can sign to another team's 53 man roster, but they can't sign to another practice squad. We we could have a whole podcast on that. You mentioned the quarterbacks real quick. What'd you think of James Morgan going to Carolina's practice well, squad?
1: Well, uh, Joe Douglas said they had conversations with Morgan uh, following that cut down and it sounded like the Jets were interested in bringing him back and, Carolina jumped in, and is there gamesmanship involved? Yes. To a certain extent, we saw that a couple of years ago with Davis Webb, right? The Jets, it's it very similar situation. The Jets wave Davis Webb, and, of course, the Buffalo Bills pick him up. And who is the Jets' week one opponent? The Bills. The it, one
0: thing, I think there's one difference in this scenario, and I think it's kind of important to point out, At the point in which the Jets released or waived Davis Webb, because there were four preseason games, they might have already started, you know, uh, have a a deeper dive into scouting the Buffalo Bills at that time and creating a game plan. I'm not so sure about this time because between final cuts and week one, there's almost two weeks involved there. Well,
1: well, Sala talked about that the other day. They're going to turn their focus to Carolina at, what Wednesday's practice? I'm getting the days, they're all running together right now. But the Jets were out here Sunday, right? Mm-hmm. Sunday, Monday, day off, Tuesday to take care of all your transactions. And then Wednesday, Thursday. So you're right. Their focus didn't really shift to Carolina until Wednesday.
0: But James it, Morgan probably knows. Uh a thing or two about verbal cues and audibles. He might know that. I mean, you might have to change your calls. I I think that's life in the NFL, right? You know, I'm
1: sure if you're talking to the jets uh, over beer and maybe, maybe people are rolling their eyes about it a little bit, but Hey, listen, Morgan's taking an opportunity in Carolina, uh, you know? Yeah. Well, anytime you release a player, anytime you wave a player, anything can happen.
0: Yes. It's a great point. (laughs) So, not only were there releases, waiver claims. We've talked about those practice squad a little bit. How about trades? Jets had executed two trades this week. Let's start with Chris Herndon. Tight ends is kind of a, a, a weird position this week with all of the roster gymnastics. You let go of Ryan Griffin and Dan Brown. You bring, you bring them both back, but in that window where they were before they were brought back, Chris Herndon officially gets traded to the Minnesota Vikings for a 2022 fourth round pick and the jets gave up a 2022 sixth round pick
1: well much like bless austin you're gonna wish chris herndon well here both those guys are good dudes um young players who've had some level of success in the national football league i think with herndon he had like 39 receptions this rookie season over 500 yards receiving second year was really tough had a suspension and a hamstring injury then he comes and plays against the Giants midseason, breaks a rib. He's out for the year. So that's basically the entire second season is a wash. Then the third season, he came on, I thought, down the stretch. Felt quiet early in the season. I think he finished with 31 receptions last year. He got in the end zone three times. So here you go. We were wondering, being out there on the practice field, every session, whether it was here or in Green Bay, where did Herndon fit? On this team, because it seemed like Tyler Croft and Ryan Griffin, when he was healthy, those were your two top tight ends. And if you were going to keep Dan Brown, he would stay in that special teams role. The Jets like his athleticism as well. Um, and then you kept Kenny Yabo on the practice squad. So there's a young developing player. So where did Hernan fit into all of that? So Vikings rash injuries is the position. You send a six to them along with Hernan, and I thought you got great value there in a four.
0: I agree. And you think about what kind of capital Joe Douglas now has rounds one through four in 2022, just to rifle through them two first round picks, their own in Seattle's, two second round picks, their own in Carolina's, one third round pick, and two fourth round picks, Carolina's, yep. and now Minnesota's, because the Jets traded away their 2022 fourth round pick to the Seattle Seahawks with Jamal Adams. Yeah. So
1: my great job by Joe D again, because as we sit here today, can you tell me you were a hundred percent convinced that Herndon was making the roster? I'm not saying he wasn't going to make the roster. I can't, I can't sit here and tell you a hundred percent. You would have put him on completely safe.
0: I wouldn't say a hundred percent at all. Uh, it was like, we play the numbers game too, right? right? Obviously like Joe Douglas and his staff and the coaching staff, they collaborate. But when we're out at practice every day and we start reading the tea leaves of who who's playing well, who's been kind of quiet. Then you think about the tight ends room and we didn't even talk about Trayvon Wesco. I know he's listed as a tight end, but it's important to notice that we didn't talk about That's him not a, he's, a he's at the fullback. He's right. the fullback. <laughs> I, I, I think it's important though, that we distinguish that yeah. because he's technically a tight end, but he really is the team's fullback. So I think, that with Herndon and that whole room, it was somebody was going to be the odd man out. And for the Jets to get a fourth round pick and return for Chris Herndon and make that decision probably a little easier for Joe Douglas and his staff, I think it was a great move. And you have now more draft capital in 2022. So I I think it was a good move. The other trade was uh, involved a six round pick, but the Jets give up a six round pick that they got last year for Jordan Willis actually got traded to the San Francisco 49ers where Sala was. And the Jets got back Shaq Lawson from the Texans.
1: I like Shaq Lawson, former first-round pick out of Clemson. Joe Douglas said he brings a junkyard dog mentality to that defensive line. Even without Carl Lawson, the Jets still have plenty of confidence in this defensive line. I I think he needed somebody there after Lawson went down. Now, Shaq Lawson is a different player than Carl Lawson. Um, but Douglas and Sal is the same way. They're not going to feel sorry for themselves because they lost a potential double-digit sack guy. It's absolutely devastating blow, but the train is still going to leave the tracks week one in Carolina. Lawson is a guy who not only can help you rushing the quarterback, he's not as explosive as a Carl Lawson, but he's also going to help you as far as his run defense. He's a real good run stopper. And I know that isn't going to win a lot of headlines out there, but you need guys like that. So he's going to give you some push in the pass game. He's going to be good in the locker room. He's going to help you against the run.
0: Don't you think, I think the reaction when the jets traded for Shaq Lawson was like, this is the guy that you're getting for Carl Lawson. I think it's a great point. You can't just replace Carl Lawson one for one, unless you were like, swinging for the fences. And Bart Scott was sitting here once, you know, a couple weeks ago, and he was like, look, you just get a T, you know, a Tier A guy. You like, you don't make a move unless it's not. But I, I'm going to challenge that because the Jets also lost Vinnie Curry. That's right. And I, I think that when you look at Vinnie Curry's stats, which is what I'm pulling up right here, past two years, he had eight sacks. Three in 2020, five in 2019, two and a half the year before that. You look at Shaq Lawson. He's younger than Vinnie Curry. He's still got years left on his contract because he was traded from the Dolphins to the Texans in the offseason after signing with the Dolphins in 2020. And he had four sacks last year and six and a half the year before that and four before that. So when you look at, I'm just using Vinnie Curry as an example, their sack production in a vacuum the last three years, Shaq Lawson has been a more productive player in that sense. I'm not saying he's a better player. I'm just saying I think the swap there was – people, I think, are saying Shaq Lawson and Carl Lawson. Yeah, but it's never going to be a
1: one-for-one. You're right.
0: But I think the one-for-one is more along the lines of Lawson and Curry.
1: John Franklin Myers is really going to be in the spotlight this year where you thought that he could really benefit from Carl Lawson because Lawson is going to be pushing that one edge, and then you have those big guys in the middle – and uh, JFM is going to get those opportunities. Well, JFM, um he's going to be the guy counted on big time this year. And then let's not forget about Bryce Hoff. Bryce Hoff had a very good summer. Last year he had a couple sacks, a couple sacks again in the preseason. He was buzzing the tower here throughout training camp. He brings an element to explosion. So he'll be part of your sub packages as well. But uh, I'll tell you what, the guy that, I'm really excited about on that defensive line, who I don't think we talked about enough.
0: I think I know where you're going to go with this.
1: Sheldon Rankins. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sheldon Rankin's, man. Sheldon Rankin's next to Quinn and Williams. Watch out. Watch out. I I think Rankin's is ready to do some damage. His body type is very interesting.
0: You know, I, I don't, the Jets have the old school, very large run stuffer, defensive tackle. Lorronzo Faticaassi. Yep. But then you look at Quinnin, you know it is one of my favorite quotes. I know it's probably outdated at this point. Jonah Williams, the Alabama tackle described Quinnon Williams as a 300 pound bar of soap because he's so slippery as a defensive tackle. And uh, you know it, it it's true because you think of and he's not a towering presence, but he is well how did Robert solid describe him? All mass, not all gas, all mass. And you look at Sheldon Rankins, he's not, again, your prototypical defensive tackle in the sense of like old school, but he really seems like he packs a punch too.
1: Yeah. And I think he's got a wide arsenal as far as his moves and the way he can use his hands. You know, I didn't play the game at the defensive tackle position in the (laughs) national football league, but Leger Douzable did. And I love, getting his thoughts on what he sees from the defense alignment going in the trenches and the way they apply techniques and Rankin's got, he's got a lot of clubs in the back.
0: You know what I find very impressive in terms of Leger during the game in real time, I'm on Twitter and I'm seeing you know people tweet about the jets, the things that he catches as a former player, like it, it's outstanding to me. And, and what he catches is usually Very vital to the result of the play where, you know, somebody might say, oh, that's bad coverage. And that guy was open. Like, how'd he get so open? And Leger in real time will be like, no, you know, that guy got picked and, you know, he should have done this, whatever. I find it very interesting, by the way, Leger making his, uh, return to one jet's drive, or you know, I don't want to say one jet's drive and get it confused with the show. Not talking about the show, I'm talking about the building. Oh, god, we can't even
1: say the address
0: anymore. We can, we can but you know, I just wanted to make sure that there was no confusion here to give a, a glimpse of what's to come. LeJay Doosable making his return here to the Jets 360. Well, platform. well he's
1: going to help us out on the official Jets podcast. You have uh, a great podcast coming up, a game preview podcast that people are going to be able to tune into and listen to weekly and or listen to weekly but uh Doozable also is going to be making an appearance on our Sunday morning show on CBS which I don't know if we've released the name publicly so I don't know if I can do it here just yet
0: all right that's fair just right. just, just keep yeah keep doos is going to be
1: part of our content so that, that's a definitely a big ad because we already got the mad backers so we got uh we got all levels of the defense because you start with dues, then you go back, you need a linebacker, you got Bart Scott, and then you need a, a safety. We got Eric Coleman. We're we're covered defensively.
0: Offense, I don't know if we have the same, uh the same levels that the defense has. No. Defense wins championships though, yeah. right? Well,
1: so. we got Nick Mangold and there might be another former Jets quarterback coming to Jets programming in two thousand twenty one, but I don't know. If we don't we, have
0: we don't have a tailback. <laughs> right? No, I don't think so. We do have Leon Washington. He's just uh, he's just the coach.
1: Yeah, we could bring him upstairs, no doubt. Getting back to what you said about Dues and what he watches and things like that, is that the cornerback position? We started the show talking about the cornerback position. Uh, I I think what Salah wants to see is can you win on third down? And the anticipation from everybody is a lot of cover two and cover three back there. And who is going to be the guy, Ethan, in Carolina? You think if we predict right now that Bryce Hall is starting outside who will be lining up across the way outside the numbers and who's the first nickel up because you know that was a great competition throughout the summer but Gidry, I guess he's got a chance at the outside and the inside
0: I would say assuming the roster stays put as it is and there's no addition my guess is that Brandon Eccles is opposite Bryce Hall and Javelin Gidry's in the middle Unless, or at nickel, unless Guidry wins that job on the outside, then I think Michael Carter is in the nickel.
1: A lot of speed at the cornerback position. All those guys you just mentioned can fly. Do you agree with me, though? I asked Salah about Michael Carter the other day. I think it was Sunday. And I loved his answer because I'm a big fan of Jamal Guidry. He said, we have two starting nickels on this team. And we have to find a way to get both of these guys on the field.
0: Oh, so you're thinking Gidry on the outside. Oh,
1: I don't, I don't know. You know, that, that could mean some dime action with the, both Carter and uh, Gidry like out there, of course. But the Jets won't be lacking for speed on the outside. If you have an Eccles out there, if you have a Carter out there, if you have a Gidry. you know, those guys, you know, those guys can burn. Those are yeah. all sub four, four guys.
0: Yeah. The, the Jets much faster in the secondary for sure. Yeah. You know I, it's um. before we wrap up here. Is there anything you're wrapping
1: up already? No, yeah, yeah. We're yeah. not talking any offense.
0: We can. We oh, can. How
1: many uh, minutes in are we? We were not talking about Zach Wilson at all.
0: We're almost 30. Well, I, <laughs> uh, were you surprised he made the team? <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, I thought he had a good chance of making the team. Yeah, me too. I, I, I loved what uh, Joe Douglas said about him the other day because we've heard Salah all along saying that we love this kid's process, right? Now, that he never makes the same mistake twice, that he can't get enough, that he's going across the room and talking to the defensive staff in terms of what are they looking at. Um, so, you know, he he's one of those kids who, uh, w- Wilson, there's going to be moments where he's still in the one-on-one class, but he's certainly trending into the 301, 501, and that's what you want from the quarterback. Uh, but Joe Douglas said it, The other day, and he didn't have to say this. He's been everything we'd hoped he would be.
0: You know, I've really that's a hell of a compliment. It is. I I actually thought another big time compliment came from Greg Van Roten when he said Zach Wilson's only a rookie by name, meaning like it's just his first year in the NFL. The rest of what Zach Wilson is on the field in the meeting rooms, not rookie, not one on one seems like he's definitely advanced for where a typical rookie would be.
1: Connor McGovern also said he's a gamer, like not taking shots as far as his practice habits, but he kind of turns it up a notch. That's what you want from a guy slinging.
0: You definitely do. And we Daniel Jeremiah and everybody says, you know, we got a glimpse of it in green Bay. You can't do, you can't have a broken play turned explosive play in practice. That's just not how it works. It's scripted. But in a game, we kind of saw it with, the Corey Davis 27-yard reception, there's a little bit there. And we'll see what happens when the lights really turn on in the regular season. But, um, you know, the Jets aren't done with their roster. That was the point that I wanted to bring this full circle. They're really not done with the roster. We just saw a report today. Jets are working out Reuben Foster at linebacker. So this is a con- a continuous effort to improve your roster, whether it's, September 2nd, like it is today, whether it's April 30th or whether it's July 27th, it's 365 days of the year.
1: Uh, what are your thoughts as far as a running back and or wide receiver position? Because I think a lot of people were talking about how many uh, numbers you're going to keep at the wide receiver spot. And what about the dyna- dynamic there at running back now with Michael P. Ryan a little bit banged up? You got Josh Adams on the practice squad.
0: I'm going to start with the receivers. I think most people thought The Jets were going to carry six receivers. I was definitely in that camp. Adding Jeff Smith as the seventh, I think, was the surprise. But Jeff Smith really, I thought, played well down the stretch for the Jets as well. And you you think about what he did in practice the last week of training camp and, you know, throughout, he flashed at times. But really, I think you saw what Jeff Smith brings in terms of speed and explosiveness when – in the final preseason game, the Jets handed the ball off to him on three end-arounds, and he had positive plays and chunk gains on each of those plays. He said he has speed to burn. In terms of the running backs, I'm not surprised by the way it shook out. My question is, are you on game day, do you have all four active? Do you have three active? Because if you have all four active, you're really going to put all four in the game at one point or another? Or is is it going to be one of those things where it depends on matchups and it depends on running how hot that player is heading into the game? I think that's a thing that fans should keep an eye for. Right. Well, let's just
1: give a shout-out to Josh Adams. 5.4 yards a carry last year, 5.0 yards a carry in the preseason. He's a guy who just constantly flies on his radar. I know he's on the practice squad, but the Jets really like their backs. Final thought here for me would be speed. The need for speed, the Jets have constantly addressed that throughout the offseason. Now you see it with the roster. Let's go over all the positions. We mentioned Echols. We talked about Gidge. We we talked about um, who who else on the outside that uh, why is the name of Michael Carter? Michael Carter uh, playing the nickel position. We talk about the transitions those guys are making down at the rookie linebacker position from Jamie and Sherwood and Hanson Dean. We go to the offensive side of the ball. You mentioned Jeff Smith, a sub 4-4 guy, who's been running a lot with the ones at the running back position. Ty Johnson, a sub 4-4 guy. You drafted Elijah Moore, a sub 4-4 guy. What you're seeing here is the emphasis and not just solid saying play speed, but the combination of him and Joe Douglas coming together and saying there are certain attributes that we have to address here. The Jets are going to be noticeably a lot faster club this year.
0: You know who else is a sub four four player who we often don't think? Mims. Mims. Four three eight at the combine. And he I feel bad for Denzel because he really, I think, was starting to turn a corner, especially. In the first preseason game, and Joe Douglas referenced that. I mean, the effort he gave on that play where he showed a little strength, toughness, agility, and speed is very impressive. He's a long strider, too. So
1: Tavan Coleman is another guy who you know was banged up last year. Yeah, but he still can get out there in the open field. So I I just think the Jets clearly went into the offseason saying we have to be faster on both sides of the ball. And and Salah wants these guys to play fast. Um, you're going to see that out there. And sometimes there's going to be mistakes because it's such a young roster. And Joe Douglas said he's expecting ups and downs, but I think this team is going to be entertaining to watch throughout the season.
0: I definitely agree. And we'll see what happens in a couple, you know, it's, it's really almost right around the corner, but we have this little, you know, this nice little weekend, Labor Day weekend. And then, we're really ramping up another notch, kind of like Zach Wilson, what Connor McGovern said. It's game time. We ramp it up a notch next week in terms of content. We're back with the podcast. We got two coming down the pike next week, at least. And I think that's, that's pretty much it. You got any Labor Day plans?
1: No. College football? I, I would imagine we'll be here Labor Day.
0: But I meant during the weekend, college football.
1: Got a wedding Saturday, and I'm hoping we can sneak out of there at a decent time because, like you mentioned, there's a lot of good college football <laughs> matchups. I mean, but for us, when we get back here Monday, we're in the regular season. Mm-hmm. The regular season begins. Remember, uh, pregame central will be on live uh, next Sunday. Somebody will be here inside the GM studio, probably both of us. Then we have Jets overtime. Our we first have practice post- today. Yeah today moves to a new time this year yeah. Thursdays. Mm-hmm. So check
0: that check that out live. We got a lot coming down the pike. but that's all we have on this episode of the official Jets podcast Enjoy your Labor Day weekend and we'll see you next week.